Hello, welcome to Midweek Devotions. My name is Costa and it's great that you can join us today. This is a great time for us to be looking at what the Bible says and to do that together. Today we're continuing our series in Psalms that look forward to Jesus. Today it's Psalm 110. And so I'll give you a moment to go find that psalm. As you get there, let me tell you about this psalm's significance. Even though it only has seven verses, it is actually the most quoted psalm in the New Testament. In fact, the first verse alone is quoted seven times, whilst the psalm itself is alluded to about 30. And Jesus himself quoted the the psalm in a debate with the religious rulers of his day. So as far as he is concerned, and the New Testament as a whole, this psalm is very important. And so it's important for us to wrap our head around what it means, and how we can put it into practice as we follow Jesus today. With that in mind, let's now read Psalm 110. Psalm 110 of David, a psalm. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Let's pray as we are about to begin looking at Psalm 110. Dear God, thank you that we can be together to look at what uh, the Bible says. Help us to learn much from Psalm 110. Uh, so that we may put it into practice as we follow Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Now, speaking of Jesus, who do you think Jesus is? I think if you asked a hundred people, there's a good chance you just might get a hundred opinions. Because from the moment that he set foot on earth, everyone has attempted to understand who he is and what he came to do. Uh, Back in his day, some saw him as a good man, a teacher, a prophet. His own family thought he was out of his mind, whilst the religious ruler saw him as a blasphemer, as someone in league with the devil. Fast forward to today, and some declare that Jesus is a a socialist, the first feminist, this radical free-thinking freedom fighter, a a life coach, a a spiritual guru, someone who helps you along the way, a, a wise man or a mere religious figure. Others would say we need to distance Jesus from religion and from the church and definitely from those somewhat uh, violent images that we have in the Old Testament, such as those that we do find in Psalm 110. That isn't the Jesus that we know or that we need today. And so when you think about it, (laughs) there's never been anyone who's had as many opinions about themselves as Jesus has. But whilst many have their ideas about him, who does God say Jesus is? After all, many would agree that Jesus is someone sent from God, in some way connected to God, in some way points people to God. And therefore, it's important, if not a simple show of courtesy, for us to understand who God declares Jesus to be. And Psalm 110 helps us do that. And it does it by uh, talking about uh, a number of titles that at one level seem foreign to our modern ears. 
for example, lord, king, priest, judge. But whilst they seem unfamiliar to us, they were bread and butter to the psalm's original audience. But even more so, as we go through the psalm, though they may seem foreign, we will see how they can help our faith today. And so with that in mind, let's now look at Psalm 110. We can see that from the very first line, uh, we are getting God's opinion. Uh, Although this is a psalm of David, it is not of David's opinion. He's not telling us what he thinks. Rather, David is quoting God. So as the psalm begins, the Lord says to my Lord. This is God speaking to someone else. God seems to be addressing another person, and this person is also divine, because in the psalm, this person seems to do things that God also does. There are two persons present in this psalm, and a relationship exists between them. So David merely plays secretary, dictating what God has to say to and about this other person. That's the first thing we notice about this psalm. Uh, Secondly, you'll notice that there are two lords. Uh, We have an all-caps Lord and a capitalized Lord. The all-caps Lord uh, refers to Yahweh, uh, the personal name of God that God gave to Moses and his people at Sinai. Uh, Roughly translated, Yahweh means I am who I am, the great I am. And so wherever you see uh, that capitalized Lord in the Bible, it is referring to the God of the universe who has revealed himself to his people. And that uh, capitalized Lord appears thousands of times throughout the Old Testament, let alone in the first verse of this psalm. Now, the second Lord in the first verse is Adonai. And Adonai is a title that means Lord or Master. And in the Old Testament, Adonai is used hundreds of times to describe who God is, that God is Lord, God is Master. And so if you put those two together... Uh, literally the first verse of Psalm 110 reads, Yahweh said to Adonai. Now that just raises a lot of confusion and complexity. Firstly, because it seems that God is speaking to himself. Uh, Secondly, it suggests that God is divisible. You see, for many centuries, the Jews had prayed a prayer from the Old Testament declaring Hear, O Lord, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. That prayer was a declaration of God's singularity. Yet this psalm seems to suggest the opposite, because again, there are two divine persons present, Yahweh and Adonai, Lord and Lord. A third complication arises as well, Uh, and this is due to what Psalm 2 looked forward to, or should I say who Psalm 4 looked forward to. Uh, In that Psalm, uh, it looked forward to God's king uh, being the son of David, that this king would come from David's line, David's dynasty. But if we consider Psalm 110, Well, how can the Son also be the Lord? How can the Son be Lord of his Father, particularly after his Father has been long dead? And a further complication arises uh, because Psalm 110 then moves forward and introduces Melchizedek, uh, that mysterious priest who appears from out of nowhere in Genesis to Abraham. And in that story, uh, Abraham recognizes Melchizedek as both priest and king. However, uh, 
God's priests all came from the tribe of Levi, and Melchizedek was around before Levites were even a thing. But also, uh, God's people had their kings, they had their priests, they never had one who was both, as it is prophesied here in Psalm 110. And then there's a a final complication. Uh, Psalm 110 tells us that one day this person will come as judge of all the earth. Now, the big question coming from all this, who on earth can adopt all these titles? How can they all collide, come together in the one person? Surely one person couldn't wear so many hats. The ultimate question is, who will be the son, lord, king, priest, and judge? Because in Jesus' day, uh, there were no more kings, uh, no Jewish ones anyway, uh, only Roman rulers. The monarchy was long dead. Uh, Also, in Jesus' day, the the priestly system was a mess. No surprise Jesus declared the temple was a den of thieves much to the horror of the religious rulers. And to horrify them even further, Jesus applied Psalm 110 and Psalm 2 to himself. But before he did that, uh, let's just go back a few days. Uh, Jesus had just arrived at Jerusalem to thunderous ovation from the crowds. Uh, They declared, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Lord in all caps. And so based on all that they had seen Jesus say and do, the crowds were able to join the dots. They knew who Jesus is. But the religious rulers, well, they refused to do so. To them, uh, this was just another blasphemy in a long line of blasphemies. Because in their eyes, Jesus was just a carpenter's son uh, and falsely claiming things that only God could claim. You know, the authority to forgive, that he was pre-existent, that he was equal with God, and that before Abraham was, you know, I am. And now this direct allusion to Psalm 110 and Psalm 2, to the religious rulers, this was a final indignation. Now, what's surprising is that Jesus himself brings up the topic. That is, he's about to cause trouble for himself. Well, that's nothing new. Rather, Jesus wants to declare to the religious rulers who he is. And this is how the scene plays out in Matthew 22. Jesus asked them, What do you think about the Messiah? Whose son is he? Well, the son of David, they replied. Jesus said to them, Well, how is it then that David, speaking through the Spirit, calls him Lord? For he says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one could say a word in reply, and from that day, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And so the religious rulers could wrap their head around the idea that God's king would be a son of David, But they're lost for words because they can't marry Psalm 2 with Psalm 110. How on earth can they be the same person? What Jesus is saying is that he is that person. That he is not only the son of Psalm 2, but also the Lord of Psalm 110. Now, rather than this causing the religious rulers to you know, have a light bulb moment to recognize who he is, to join the dots and to join in the ovation of the crowds, 
it causes them to double down on their hatred of him. Another reason why they go silent is because they've simply had enough. This is the final nail in Jesus' coffin, or cross as the case may be. Now, surely Jesus can't be who he claims now that he's crucified. Surely he can't be son or lord or king or priest or judge, let alone all of them bundled together. Yes, he silenced the religious rulers earlier, but the cross silences him. And so the cross seems to vindicate their view of Jesus. And at that point, I guess we're free to also view Jesus as we seem fit. Uh, That maybe he was just a good teacher, or just a prophet, or a positive role model for us, or a religious figure, or whoever else you need him to be for you today, and nothing more, nothing less. But the resurrection changes everything. Because Jesus has been raised, it vindicates God's view of Jesus, validates who God says Jesus is. And that's why this psalm is so important to the New Testament, because it describes who Jesus is and what he came to do. Because Jesus has been raised, he is at God's right hand. Uh, Because Jesus has been raised, he has conquered the greatest of enemies, not earthly rulers, but death itself. Because Jesus has been raised, he is the great high priest. And because Jesus has been raised, one day he will return to judge the earth. And it will be swift. Uh, He's coming soon, just like the king of Psalm 110 took a quick drink from that broken stream and carried on his way. One day Jesus will return soon. And so therefore, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, we can see who he is. He is the son of Psalm 2 and the Lord, King, Priest and Judge of Psalm 110. Put simply, this psalm and many others have come true in Jesus. And so what does this mean for us today? Uh, how How ought this to shape our view of Jesus? Well, those titles that can seem foreign to us, they can help our faith. For example, because Jesus is Lord, he is eternal and divine. Sometimes we can have a small view of Jesus, but that's who our faith is in. Jesus is Lord. Because Jesus is King, that means he is sovereign. Nothing or no one is bigger than him. You know, in a world where earthly authorities love to flex, Jesus is king. Uh, Because Jesus is a priest, he has made a way for us into God's uh, holy of holies, God's holy presence. Jesus intercedes for us. And by his sacrifice, well, our sins are forgiven and will not be remembered. And one day he will return as judge. Today we want to see justice be done. Well, one day soon all will be made well. And before that day, um, because Jesus is, is God's son, uh, we are brought into God's family. And so if you ever feel that you're on the outer or that you don't belong, Jesus has brought you in. And so therefore, um, all those titles, they may seem foreign, but they can help us live out our faith. Uh, all these Psalms, they point forward to who Jesus is, where he is, what he's doing and what he will do. And that ought to give us great comfort, encouragement, and hope. And so when you think about it, uh, our descriptions of Jesus don't do him justice. 
uh, they fall well short. So today, let us see Jesus as God sees him, as Son, Lord, King, Priest, and Judge. Uh, That makes our faith richer and stronger. That is who God declares Jesus to be. That is the Jesus whom we need. And that is who our faith is in. And so let's pray and ask God's help that we would forever hold on to who Jesus is. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for who Jesus is. Uh, it ought to just you know, blow our mind. Uh, forgive us for having a tiny view of Jesus. Help us to know that he is Son, Lord, King, Priest, and Judge. Uh, those mighty descriptions uh, can give us great strength and confidence and hope today. And so I hope today that we would hold on to who Jesus is in a world that's just got so many uh, you know, interpretations of him. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. Uh, it'd be great if you could join us next week. In the meantime, uh, I hope that you would remember that Jesus is Son, Lord, King, Priest, and Judge. Hold on to who Jesus is. Hopefully you can join us next week on Midweek Devotions. Bye for now.